Oh, out of Africa. How long do you think I can keep recording before she notices we've started? <laughs> You're not going to start with that. I... Yeah, Hi, can. everyone. I'm Dan. I'm Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm Grandpa. <laughs> All right. And welcome to the 1975 Academy Awards. Uh, this is If I Ran the Oscars, where we take a look at one film from each year the awards were on TV, and we talk about what it won for, and then a couple other categories so we get a wide view of filmmaking. And once again, we have both dodged talking about a Godfather movie and instead talked about Robert Redford. Okay, so it's all right with me. I <laughs> uh, This year was especially difficult to dodge The Godfather. It got twice as many Oscars as the first Godfather did. This is, is we're on the year lot. of Godfather 2. And, fun fact, duplicated its feat of three Best Supporting Actor nominations. That's crazy. That doesn't happen. No. Mm-hmm. Like... It hasn't happened since, which is kind probably of, won't happen again. Kind of nuts how many people were doing good things in those movies. However, we are not talking about that. We are talking about The Great Gatsby. Mm-hmm. This is not the first time The Great Gatsby has been a film, nor mm-hmm. will it be the last. We might talk about the other one. Yeah. We'll have it'll take it, us a while to get there. Well, if we roll it right. And the first one was before we started. It was in the forties. Right before it was on TV, so it doesn't count. However, Did that are, one win for costumes? I don't believe so, no. They, this one won for best costume design. Spoilers. So did the one more close to modern times. Leonardo DiCaprio. The Leonardo DiCaprio version also won for best costume design. So that will be interesting. Uh, this one, those of you who read books <laughs> will have heard of a book called The Great Gatsby. Well, from, if you've from been a to guy, high school. Yeah, from a guy named F. Scott Fitzgerald, who I hear has written books. Hey, wait, <laughs> he lived here in St. Paul for a while. Wait yeah. a minute. He, you know, it, according to Wikipedia, it says he only received wide critical and popular acclaim after his death. You mean F. Scott Fitzgerald? F. Scott Fitzgerald, which is a little disappointing. He was, in fact, born in St. Paul. He didn't just live here for a while. I thought so. He was born well, in St. Paul and I, primarily raised in New York. I drive past the statue on uh, Dale Street on a pretty regular basis. He's sitting on the edge of a uh, like a stoop outside an apartment building. He died statue. at 44. Hard living. Hard living. Alcoholism. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I This film... Not was... that he's somebody that I want my children to emulate. Yeah. I'm just going to put that out there. The... Production of this film was kind of interesting because the original screenwriter was Truman Capote, who has come up okay. a few times. Right. Uh, for instance, uh, the novella Breakfast at Tiffany's. Huh. However, he was replaced by Francis Ford Coppola. Now, if you like the Godfather movies, you've heard of this guy. Yeah, we've heard of him. <laughs> I think uh, Francis Ford Coppola was probably uh, pretty active. Uh, based on yeah. <laughs> awards nominated so, and such. He had finished directing The Godfather, however, unsure of its commercial reception and needing the money, he agreed to write the screenplay for this movie. Wow. He believes he got the job on Robert Redford's recommendation because Coppola did a rewrite on The Way We Were. Hmm. He sat down, wrote a lot, 
turns out, according to him, there's a there's not a lot of actual dialogue in the book between Daisy and Gatsby. It, there's a lot of narration. There's a the lot book. of narration, but not a lot of dialogue. And something that he said that I've actually kind of done this from time mm-hmm. to time when I do writing. Not that I'm going to compare myself to Francis Ford Coppola, but like there's a six-page scene where Daisy and Gatsby stay up all night and talk. Mm-hmm. And he borrowed a lot of dialogue from other Fitzgerald books sure. and writings. Well, to get the and rhythm the and flow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not that I am saying that part, but something that I do sometimes when I'm trying to get a voice for characters is sometimes you just put your characters in a room and you kind of turn your brain off and you just write back and forth and character emerges and something like that. It It's hard not, it's, you know, some people can't do that. Some people can do that again. Right. I'm not saying I could do that all the time, but right. you know, right. interestingly, I like while he was writing it, I, People were telling him, hey, The Godfather's doing really, really well. And he goes, yeah, but i got to finish the script. Because that's what he's supposed to do. Sure. And it was only really after he finished the script did he realize, oh. I didn't need to write oh, the I script. Oh, I did not need to finish the script. <laughs> <laughs> I could have told those guys to buzz off. Yeah, there's not many other facts about this other than which mansions in Rhode Island did they use. There's just not a lot of interesting facts on this one. I We can get... What is interesting is... The sheer depth of the people involved in this movie. Right. The ridiculous, like, not necessarily star power, but just talent Well, and in this movie. And actors that, have, that worked hard their whole lives. Yeah. So, Robert Redford, we discussed last time. That's right. So, we're not going to go deep into depth there. Uh, if you've watched our previous podcast, we've discussed Mia Farrow before. Wait, people don't watch this. Yeah. You're using the wrong verb. Correct. Mia Farrow... Uh, formerly married to Frank Sinatra. Mm-hmm. Formerly having a row with uh, Woody Allen. Yeah. But that was after this film. Uh, there are some interesting things about her that I don't think we said last time because we didn't want to talk about her last time. She's <laughs> the first American actress to join the Royal Shakespeare Company. I would not have guessed that. I would have gotten that wrong on Jeopardy. Me too. Yep. Yeah. Never. Uh, her relationship with Woody Allen started in 1979. Beginning, and uh, her first film with him was a Midsummer Night's sex comedy. So, you know, Mm -hmm. interesting. Uh, She's been in supporting roles up through, like, 2011. She's still... Working. She's still finding things to do. So, interesting there. Uh, In 2008, Time Magazine named her one of the most influential people in the world. She's done extensive work as a UNICEF Goodwill Ambassador. So, well, you know, you have to do something with your time. Well, she paid her dues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, people also involved in this movie, uh, Bruce Dern, which I'll be honest, I did not recognize him. Oh, I did from anything because I haven't seen any of his things. Mm-hmm. And like here, I'm showing but, pictures. Look at this guy; he looks like a crazy old person. No, he looks like like Jesse Ventura wore that hairstyle. Yeah. <laughs> now he was. Nominated for Best Supporting Actor in 1978 for Coming Home, and in 2013 for Nebraska. Well, he won an Oscar for that. Did he actually he? get? No, he was nominated for that one. He won other awards for it. Oh, okay. Uh, Silent Running, The King of Marvin Gardens, The Cowboys, Posse, Family Plot, Black Sunday, Tattoo, Skip Ahead to 2003, Monster, 
2015, The Hateful Eight, 2019, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He's still doing stuff. Right. He's he's a working guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. He was uh, on stage. He was a stage actor for the Philadelphia premiere of Waiting for Godot before going to Hollywood. <laughs> uh, he's played a lot of bad guys. And okay. I think in this movie is technically no exception. I think he played the suave bad guy. Yeah. Uh, he got the Best Actor Award at Cannes for Nebraska. Oh, okay. Okay. And was nominated for the Academy Award. So, you know, stuff. Okay. Uh, other person, very important supporting actor, possibly actual lead actor, Sam Waterston, who has done some things. Okay, let's start going here. Well, he's uh, an acclaimed theater actor also. Off-Broadway production of Measure for Measure... Alongside Meryl Streep. Right. Uh, he played James Woods in a movie who we've talked about recently. <laughs> uh, he was in uh, the Hamlet movie in 1975. That's before Mel, Mel Gibson. In 93, he portrayed Abraham Lincoln on stage in Abe Lincoln in Illinois. I knew I heard Where he received mm-hmm. Tony Award, Drama Desk Award, and Outer Critics Circle Award nominations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he was in some Woody Allen stuff. He He's done, res- what's he, that TV show he was in? Uh, Law and Order. He's yeah. one of the main guys in the original Law and Order. I mm-hmm. uh, he was in Oliver Stone's Nixon. He was in some movies in like the tw- in the 2010s. Mm-hmm. So he's still Lots doing stuff. Of television. Lots of television. No, he's good at that television. Uh, oh yeah, he was in the Newsroom, which is Sorkin's new show, new weird show. He's currently. In Grace and Frankie. Yeah. Alongside Jane Fonda, who we've also talked about. And Lily Tomlin, who we want to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He started over 80 film and television productions during his 50-year career. And that's no. not including stage work. Yeah. So, you know, a good guy we should be looking up. Uh, next person who is interesting in this one, uh, we can do a brief mention of uh, Lois Chili's. Or Childs, or whatever. I bet it's Childs. Childs. Probably Childs. Because she had a part in The Way We Were, which we didn't really talk about, Mm -hmm. because there weren't really main people in that movie other than our main cast. But she was the Bond girl in Moonraker. Uh Uh-huh. And on a scale of 0 to 10, I'd rate her innuendo name at an 8 for Dr. Holly Goodhead. Yeah. 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 So that's interesting. I uh, we also might want to talk about Howard De Silva. Now this guy started doing movies. His first movie was 1935. That's a long time ago. It is a long time ago. Where was he in this one? He in this one played the mob boss guy. He was in one scene. He was the he was the gambler. He was the gambler who fixed was, met at the. We didn't know that he was in the mob. Well, they he, he, he fixed the 1919 World Series, <laughs> which generally puts you kind of in mob yeah. mentality. Yeah. Uh, those of you who yeah. were around back then or care about sports will know about the Black Sox, yes, which was indeed. an actual thing that happened. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and it was conspiring with gamblers. It became yeah. the Dirty Sox. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, for, for that fact... Uh, despite being acquitted, eight players from the White Sox were banned from organized baseball. Yep. So Uh-oh. that's kind of interesting. Yeah. But that was an that's an interesting real fact. 
uh, the year after 1919, a commissioner of baseball happened so that this crap didn't happen anymore. Uh-huh. <laughs> there we go. And there's a little tidbit about Howard. Oh, uh, I mean, you know why you What's, looked it up. What his 1949 role. Yeah. In 1949 role, he was Wilson. He was Mr. Wilson. In The Great Gatsby. Of all things, <laughs> which is why I, which is why we have to bring him up. No oh, man, he did some. Yeah, he's been. He's like not necessarily like a big name guy, mm. but he just does stuff. Right, right, right. And he's done stuff for years and years and years. His first acting credit is a stage production as the apothecary in Romeo and Juliet in 1930. Huh. So you know he's been doing things for a while. Yeah, but that's. There's just a pile of cool people working on this movie. Uh, Nelson Riddle, guy who did the uh, music. the music, mm-hmm. cool band guy. Yeah, uh, he uh, or is a arranger, composer, band leader, and orchestrator from the '40s to the '80s. Yep. yep. He has an Academy Award for this movie and three Grammys. He had a career resurgence in the '80s. I uh, and just like he just kept doing cool stuff. He conducted the 50th presidential inaugural gala the day before the second inauguration of Reagan. Wow. The program is hosted by Frank Sinatra. Oh, homeboy. Hmm. Yeah. But the oh, real God. star of this show, and the reason we're here today... Sam Waterston. Well, besides Sam Waterston, <laughs> is Theoni Aldridge. Mm-hmm. The costume, costumer. Costume, stage and screen costume designer. Mm-hmm. She only has one Academy Award. Yeah, but she has all kinds of Tonys. Oh. She did a ton of stuff on Broadway. She has three Tonys. Mm-hmm. For Annie, mm-hmm. Barnum, and Le Cage. Le Cage en Le... Fall. Thank Le you. Cage <laughs> <laughs> we didn't study French here in no. our home school. Uh, we don't live in Canada. We don't need to study French. Well, you have French-Canadian ancestors, so perhaps we she should She has have. 11 other Tony nominations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's uh, a very busy designer. Yes. Uh, her designs for the film The Great Gatsby were adapted for a clothing line sold exclusively by Bloomingdale's in Manhattan. Wow. So, you know, just bring the jazz 20s to the 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, what's extra interesting is she was the designer, but didn't necessarily do all of the work. She had the costumes realized by other people. Well, that's what designers do. The female costumes were realized by Barbara Matera, who also does costume and clothing design for stage and screen, including a chorus line, Ada, Dreamgirls, mm-hmm. Follies, The Lion King, Wicked, Mamma Mia. She made costumes for The Great Gatsby, The Adams Family, The Age of Innocence, and the live-action 101 and 102 Dalmatians. She, des- she has created clothing for... Among other celebrities, Mick Jagger and Hillary Clinton, including Clinton's ball gown for the 93 inauguration. I thought you were going to say, like, her pantsuit. No, I think that she gets those off the rack. Uh, I don't think so. (laughs) And she's had her work in the New York Library for the Performing Arts as, Mm -hmm. like, a standalone exhibit. So that's kind of cool. Now, who did the guy's stuff, I wonder? Uh, Oh, okay, wait a second, wait a second. From the 70s? Mm Mm-hmm. Ralph Lauren. Yes. Boom! How about that? Boom! I told you Polo was important in this movie. <laughs> well. That's well, good. Good job. You're good. That's because I do like me some costumes. So, you know, you may have heard of him. <laughs> yeah. But he also did designs for the uh, 
U.S. Olympic athletes, mm-hmm. things like that. He he does he redesigned the Boy Scouts of America uniform at one point. Uh, the menswear polo mm-hmm. from Ralph Lauren. Start, he made the first full line in 68 and worked basically out of a single room and delivered himself to New York. Huh. And by 1969, Manhattan Bloomingdale's sold his stuff exclusively. And it was the first time Bloomingdale's had given a designer their own in-store boutique. Hmm. So he did an okay job. Yeah. And definitely... Working out of his business. Yeah. 72, they had a cotton mesh polo. And 74 was Gatsby in costumes from his polo line, a 1920s style series of men's suits and sweaters, except for the pink suit. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then in 77, Diane Keaton and Woody Allen wore his clothes throughout the film Annie Hall. Yeah. Which, Mm -hmm. you know, definitely kicked him up. And then the Wikipedia page gets to his fragrances, which is different. So. The costuming in this movie is ridiculous. Well, and it was also designers that were really active and working in in the changing costume market in uh, clothing, like making designer clothing, well, more readily available in mass markets in the U.S. Yeah. Now, we're not talking too much about the plot of this movie because, I mean... Mm-hmm. Read the book. You can read the book. Right, right, yeah. right. It's not, I mean, it's not better than the book. As you were okay. saying, I have to the audio book was, was particularly good. That right. you And I, I'm stand corrected. Um, Ralph Lauren did scout uniforms in some countries, but not in the U.S. Oscar de la Renta did the U.S. Boy Scout uniform. Gotcha. So I just want to put that out there before we get, mm. like, hate mail. Oh, yeah, we're going to get hate from mail. The from, yeah, from, the from the costume people. My costume people. Okay. <laughs> In any case... Yes, the audiobook was... I yeah. really enjoyed the audiobook. I did... I I kind of liked the way that it was narrated through a lot of it. And I think that's that's very true to the format of the book. Yeah. Now, I did say while watching it that we were going to talk... That I was going to make us talk about King Kong, and I'm going to, because there are similarities and differences. You mean like there's no hairy ape in this one? Well, besides that, hmm. the new King Kong movie that they made... And this movie, both of them spend a significant runtime of the film without the person whose name is on the movie appearing in the movie. This movie goes a significant period of time before you see Jay Gatsby. True, true. It's what good. But the book is like that. It's a good at least half hour, possibly forty five minutes. I wondered if we were ever going to meet him. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Now the reason why I bring up King Kong is because the new one does something very similar. The difference is, in that movie, the plot is not about King Kong until he shows up. It's about people doing other things, and then King Kong happens to them. In this movie, despite Gatsby not appearing in the film, he's at least a supporting character to everyone else in the movie. Absolutely. And it's very clear that he's an important person we should know about him. And to that end, it's okay that he hasn't arrived. Because we know that once he does, he will immediately be important. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and we already know a little something about it. It's character development without the character on screen. Yeah. Whereas in King Kong, literally they're doing other things and not discussing a large monkey. And then a large monkey happens. And suddenly you remember that the movie's called Monkey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this movie does it better. 
But but I think you know. that also has to do with the fact that it's based on a book that does it better. Yeah. I have to ask, was any any of the dialogue or monologue in this movie come right directly from the book? I think it's similar. I'd have to get out a book and look at it. And Dan said that now it's in the public domain. It is. Fun fact. We're recording this uh, early January. There is a bit of a tape delay on these because we like to have a backlog. But on January 1st, 2021, The Great Gatsby entered the public domain. And so now the work is out of copyright. And if you really want to, that means that you could find a PDF of the entire work online and download it, and it would not be illegal. So yeah. fun. How about that? I mean, and produce that... a movie with. Yeah, you would no yeah. longer have to pay rights yeah. to get to produce a movie of the work. Yeah. Hmm. So that's interesting. The movie yeah. itself is still in the public domain because there's other people have adapted it. So sure. the book itself is now free; should now be freely available. Mm. But I think that there was there were parts of the the this adaptation that seemed like they were probably close to. I would imagine so. The, the written well, work. There was one section in there, in particular, that I. I remember noting it, but I I forgot what it was now, so I can't. It's all right. It. right. Yeah, we and, can't go uh, back. But and... I thought, boy, that's that sounds a little a little higher class than somebody mm-hmm. adapting. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some high school teacher wanted yeah. us to read this. Yeah. In eleventh grade. I mean, he got the old sport part, and that's pretty classic. Would, but... that, would that have been Mrs. Holly? Uh, yeah. Well, Mrs. Holly was my American lit teacher. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> All right. Any other opinions <laughs> about the film itself? We are glossing over a lot of the plot, but again... You, you read can, this in 11th grade, people. You, you might probably read this in 11th grade, and mm-hmm. you can read it online now. Go find it. It's free now. Okay. Go, old sport. Go, old sport, and find it. Uh, as a as a as like an overall movie goes, I do not believe this movie was even nominated for Best Picture. No. It was oh. not. It was pretty. It was pretty. They did some good stuff, and we'll be discussing the cinematography therein. But as an overall film goes, right. this movie was not an overall good film. And it is disappointing with how many just powerfully good, talented people were working on it mm-hmm. that it did not do better. Right. I think it could have. Yeah. I think the modern one will probably have a very similar thing where it's just a pile of good people working on it and it's disappointing that it falls short. Well, but I think that has to do with the story as well, that it's a, uh, you know, it's it's well, it's somewhat yeah. interesting, but it's not compelling. Yeah. Some stories are unending and immortal anyway. Yeah. I don't know about that, but it's it certainly wasn't boring, not to me. Oh, yeah, no. It's the not car, a... The cars alone and the <laughs> costumes... It yeah. kept 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 me looking for the next thing. It's mm. eye candy. Yeah. Mm. Definitely not a bad movie. So you will not di- you will not be disappointed if you watch this movie. Mm-hmm. It's just not gonna be saved in the national registry for all time. I'd like to see it again sometime. Yeah. So the things we're discussing, or do you have a thing? You I don't know. It's just uh, just a curiosity that one of the other actors in the movie that was in a previous film that we have discussed. Which one was that one? And that was the gentleman, uh, Scott Wilson, who played George Wilson. Yeah. Go figure. He had the same last name as his character. Was in The Heat of the Night, which one, we have, in fact, we have. reviewed. Was he one of the side rednecks? He was, in fact, um, 
Do we remember what uh, by character was, name? Do we remember what he did? He was uh, Harold. Uh, He's looking at his rectangle. Yeah, I'm looking at my rectangle. I just saw it. Yeah, Harold uh, Orbst. Okay, Oberst. Harvey Oberst. Cool. I don't remember who that was in that movie. Well, he was he was a <laughs> dude who um, at one point in guy. time was arrested. He was a guy. There's a little clip here that I'm wait, wait, seeing wait, 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 where wait. he's got handcuffs on. Was he the guy that they were chasing across the bridge? He was the guy they were chasing uh-huh. across yeah, the bridge. Yeah, yeah. And then he gave him a cheeseburger to t- tell yeah. him how to talk, yeah. where he'd go find the other lady. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Now I remember which guy he is now. Yeah. I just thought that was those interesting overlaps. Tune in next week for a new podcast. I just train of thought, turn your brain off. Tangent. Word, word association. Yes. Go. All right. So the award, <laughs> the award for which we randomly selected this film is best costume design, and we've kind of discussed how bonkers these costumes are. They were beautiful. This is definitely a movie where it has good costumes by the merit of we paid attention to how good they were, not they were so good we didn't notice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was definitely points where the camera just like zoomed in on the costumes. In various ways, and they did a really, really good job with it. Mm-hmm. Well, Mia Farrow's costumes were all very airy and light and fluffy and like her brain. Yeah. And Gatsby was tailored and and precise and calculated. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nick's costumes were a little more casual. They were good. They were nice, but they were casual. And then... Uh, What's then Daisy, all the dancers. Daisy's husband's yeah. costumes. He was. He just seemed like over the top for the sake of I'm a rich boy. Which I think those are all of their characters. Mm-hmm. And the dance, the dancers, the people at the party, the 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 dresses especially were were fabricated to show off the dancing. Yeah. That the the hems were weighted just right for the type of dances that they were doing. And it really, it, it, I think it really added to the, the party atmosphere. Yeah. But that's me. Without being gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So definitely did good job, should have won, did win. Yeah. Good job. Uh, first side category is supporting actor. And we already know that the Sam Godfather 2 kind of well, they rolled that they one. They took everything. Yeah, and there just wasn't... I mean, we'd have to watch The Godfather 2 to be sure. I do think Sam Waterston did a very good job in this movie. Yeah. Right, and right. I don't know if it would have been best ever for the year worthy, but mm-hmm. right. I think it is a, he did a very good job. Uh, next thing, cinematography. Ooh. Can, we, can we talk about star filters? I was going to say star filter. Can we talk about the filmmaking uh, trope of adding filters to your lenses? Mm-hmm. Because... They did a, this is something that now you can do in post very easily. And they did a lot they did a lot of uh, takes that were uh, live action to a mirror or mirror to live action. Mm-hmm. They did quite a few takes like that that were well done, I thought. Yeah. The, the use of the star filter was generally when you wanted to have the idea that a character was impressed when someone mm-hmm. was either, the person speaking or someone off camera or someone in the scene was in awe. There was a star filter applied so that things were extra twinkly. Mm-hmm. Eyes, jewelry, 
teeth at some point. Silver. Yeah. Silver. Twinkle, twinkle. There was lots of twinkling, and it was always just a very subtle thing of someone is in awe. And you kind of would be if you were a poor person, and then you go to this place and everything sparkles. It's not just, like, clean. It's sparkling. Mm-hmm. You'd go, ah, oh, that's pretty cool. Wonder what else is going on here? And that was a really good camera choice. Uh, they also did one that was like a 30-second extended shot of a table having a conversation about Gatsby. And 30 seconds of uncut footage? Yeah, you do that a lot when you're acting in a play, but you, that doesn't happen a lot in film. 30, not anymore. 30 sec- especially not anymore, but even back then, you get a lot. There's st- You can cut conversations a lot by flipping back and forth between perspectives. And you usually want to do that anyways to make sure that people are facing the camera. Sure. But that one, everyone was facing the camera the way they had planned it. The people who weren't turned around and talked to the camera. They made it look natural. But that's not easy to do 30 seconds and have all the background extras still doing their thing and all the people in front who aren't talking, doing their thing. That's a lot of people to coordinate to all do something right for 30 seconds. It was good. It was good. Now, did they win for cinematography? Probably not. No, they did not. They were not even nominated. Not even nominated. Yeah. Hmm. A little disappointing there. Uh, Towering Inferno won for cinematography. Well, that was fiery. Yeah. Uh, also in there, Chinatown, Earthquake, Murder on the Orient Express. You know, those all sound like movies where you need a good cameraman. <laughs> and... Last category, Best Actor. How do we think Robert Redford did in this movie? It was fine. It was fine. Mm, But I don't think it's the kind of thing that you get a Best Actor award for it. Well, he definitely wasn't nominated. He was or was not? not. No. 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 But I thought it was interesting that Godfather Part 2 did not win. It did not. Al Pacino did not win. Neither did Jack Nicholson for Chinatown. Mm -hmm. Neither did Dustin Hoffman for Lenny. It was Art Carney in Harry and Tonto. Wow. Which makes me want to see Harry and Tonto. Yeah, yeah, yeah me too. <laughs> Just because Art I Carney. want to see Art Carney. Art Carney, would be, one of my favorite be good. Movies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Well, I th- I, listen, Godfather 2 is just overrated. It wasn't <laughs> nearly as good as the original Godfather. So, let's. Yeah. yeah. I still kind of wish we had watched them because I haven't seen those for a very well, long time. Let's watch them. Don't yeah. get me wrong. But, uh, <laughs> Oh, no, they're absolutely worth watching, but... Yeah. Well, I could skip them, but, you know, that's Yeah, we know that. Oh, Art Carney was the guy in The Honeymooners. No wonder I've heard of him before. Of course you have. All right. So, any other closing thoughts on this movie? Uh, You all did a lot better job than I did with this one. I was was interested in the movie. It's a good movie. I liked it. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, I... I, mm? You're, You're in charge of the ending. Oh, you want me to say the ending part now? I think we're done. Oh, all right. We want to thank the Academy for doing its job and thereby pointing us in the direction of quality filmmaking. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.